1: Or call 562 314 4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers, and in order to find them, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you, our listeners. So please. Go to podsurvey.com slash goodmorning and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way, we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com good goodmorning. Thanks for your help. Hi and welcome to the official Good Morning Football Podcast. I'm Will Selvin. Here are the best moments in this week so far at the Breakfast Table. The divisional round was as epic as it gets. From a home playoff loss streak broken at Arrowhead to a late game interception to end the foals magic. Let's find out what the breakfast table thought about all the action from divisional round.
1: I think Alshon Jeffrey handled that with class. He got a lot of praise for the way he, you know, handled what happened. The Daily News, on the other hand, not so much. Let's bring in Peter Schrager, who was on the sidelines, Butterfingers. You see the Schrager? Come on.
3: Not cool. Not cool, Kay. It's a heartbreaking scene. Actually, as it happened... Nick Foles was the first person to greet Alshon Jeffrey, and just to tell you what this Eagles team is all about, Doug Peterson was right there on the sideline and grasped him right away. A lot of coaches might go the other way, but I could tell you that locker room has Alshon Jeffrey's back. One Eagles executive told me that's a catch he makes 99 out of 100 times. It was the perfect pass. It was the perfect play. It just slipped through his fingers. But this game was decided in the final three quarters, like you said, Kay, but The man to me was not Drew Brees. It was not Mike Thomas. It was Mr. Sean Payton. Sean Payton, Mm -hmm. they're down 14 to nothing on their own 30-yard line on fourth and one. And what does Sean Payton dial up? Taysom Hill with a fake punt it's the most aggressive play that i could remember the saints calling since the onside kick in the super bowl against the colts this one got the entire stadium back it brought the team back and they were on the brink of being down 21 to nothing at home three scores instead they convert this they moved the ball, and then on the same drive, on fourth and goal, Kyle showed the highlight. It's a pass to Keith Kirkwood for the touchdown score. Sean Payton was not going to go down fighting, and I can tell you guys, when it was 14-0 in that dome where it is so hard to win, you could have heard a pin drop. Sean Payton with the fake punt call. It is everything Sean Payton is all about aggressiveness, never giving up, never dying, and leaving it out there. That game, that game was won right there on that fake punt, which gave the Saints life, and they rolled from there and never looked back. Sean Payton is my MVP of the evening, and I thought that fake punt was the biggest play of the night.
1: And now we'll have a battle of the Shawns there at the Dome. I'm surprised you even have a voice this morning. It was so loud. Excellent work on the sidelines. And I see you working, staying down there in New Orleans. You don't have to help disassemble uh, disassemble the shrine. You don't have to do any heavy lifting. You're the friend that doesn't show up on moving day.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
4: Not for me. That's for you guys. (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about,
1: (laughs) Kev. Peter's got a truck. Thanks so much, Riggs. Back here at the table. Takeaways from this game? Uh,
4: First, let me say I'm done betting against the Saints. Who that nation? What's up? They absolutely did their thing. The crowd was ruckus. The the players were great on both sides of the ball. And like Peter said, Sean Payton was unbelievable. But can't guard Mike, just like his Twitter Mm. handle. You can't guard Mike. It was every situation, every scenario. He stepped up big. Michael Thomas was unbelievable. And we're talking chain-moving first downs, long second downs, Big-time third downs. And in the red zone, he was unbelievable. I was watching the game, and I was saying to myself, what kind of coverage can you give him? Because they were trying zone. He lit that up. They went man-to-man. He scores a touchdown like we're seeing right here. Every situation that you presented to Drew Brees and Mike Thomas, they conquered. My man had 12 catches, 171, single-game playoff team record. The unbelievable part is that they moved him around constantly. He was on different guys, and he kept that defense backing up on their heels. This was a one-man show. And if my man Mike Thomas can continue to play like this, he can carry his team right into the Super Bowl, and Drew Brees will win another one.
1: What I love about this is I feel like even though he's had such a great season, Kyle, he still isn't known to the world. And I love that given – the, if the NFC Championship game and potentially the Super Bowl, he's going to be given that platform so the world can see what this could. can do. He
4: led the league in catches. I think
5: I, people I, recognize him. I still don't I think agree. people
1: put him up up with A-B. that. No, he no. Be. Know, I felt he like he had be. 400
5: yards yesterday. This he was the best player by far. This will be, this will be a
1: whole other level for him. That was
5: incredible. Um, first of all, for everybody tweeting, and there's a lot – I'm not wearing the barrel right now, but I will be wearing the barrel for Chiefs fans. Okay. Just stay tuned. I promise. It's here. Barrel Twitter? Barrel Twitter is big right now. It's coming. I promise. I'm not going to cop out. As it pertains to this game, uh, the Saints deserved to win. They were the better team. They played the better three quarters. They were at home and everything. I feel like football fans across the country deserved a better ending than what we got. Okay. Okay. Um, the whole Foles magic versus the Saints, I feel like we were deprived of that because the Foles magic wasn't killed. Nick Foles did not make a mistake. Nick Foles did not blow it. If at the end of that game, if the Saints stopped him or sacked him or, or forced the eternal of rundowns, they did it. Or if Foles scores, we, got a, we didn't get a clean death. Yeah. Um, he put through a perfect pass and went off the hands of Alshon. And you saw this thing coming. I don't know if you could tell on the highlight, though, but leading up to this play, it was set up by the incredible Michael Bennett defensive play mm. to move the field goal back. Yep, yep. Still, if Will Lutz makes that field goal, it's a wrap. Yeah. One of the best kickers in the league kicking in the dome misses it. They get a penalty. It's all setting up for the quote-unquote Foles magic, and he delivered it. For some reason in that moment, Alshon drops the ball that he catches 99 out of 100 times. K, it felt like the Mm. death of Nick Foles was like the death of Jon Snow. It was weird. It wasn't right. And that might be—it probably will be. The last pass that Nick Foles ever throws as an eagle Mm. is one that was perfect in the biggest situation— and it was an ugly, sloppy, and I wanted a clean death one way or another. But
1: you got, I mean, he, I, you wanted a clean death. Yes. He was dead for three quarters. You had a In long, the biggest
5: drive of the game, I though, he had to, it.
1: Okay, well, you're saying I mean, at the thing. end. You're talking about magic. The yes. Eagles drives after that first quarter. Let me read them to you. Go ahead. Interception, punt, 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 interception. Mm-hmm. It was an interception sandwich. So, he looked more comfortable than I've ever seen Nick Foles. He looked great in the first quarter. They scored less than they had less than 100 yards for the remaining 3. So, this was a this was a long illness for him, and it was called being in the dome and being uncomfortable and having that defense played like it did. This is the best defense left in the playoffs, the Saints, which is something that you would never think that you'd say to a team that let the the Bucks crush them week one of this season. Look at where they've come as a defense. If you take that week 17 game against the Panthers out, and of course they rested their starters, yeah. this team's allowing less than 15 points a game over the last eight their, their defense is tough. They get to play at home. I don't want to hear about injuries to Alshon, to Fletcher, Fliss- nah. to whatever. Punt, 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 punt. Two interceptions. Let's make it personal. Five punts, two interceptions. Let's make
5: it personal. Okay, you, you you're an enthusiast for the Saints. You love the Saints, 100%. and I get it. Up six points I'm about to with that Foles that coming down the field. That. Can we all say at the table you we weren't nervous at all that Foles was going to go down the field and score?
1: The Lutz thing made me nervous the whole time. It was Crazy, a stressful yeah. game.
5: I couldn't believe you missed that kick. Yeah. At second you missed the kick, I said, "Here it comes. It's going to happen." I will
1: say right? at one point in the game, I did have the angels in the outfield. Um, yes. I had this gift. It's real. To, like there's only one explanation <laughs> for this, and but it was he, to, he looked really uncomfortable for the he first did. time I've ever seen him look that way. What well, do we always say group?
5: though? It's at the end of the game it's in the final minutes, he looked yeah. great, and, and, and then
4: it was over. We have to keep in mind, this is the postseason. You know, quarterbacks yeah. are going to look uncomfortable because teams are so good. Breeze looked uncomfortable. Breeze looked uncomfortable in moments.
1: That pick. Phillip yeah. Rivers
4: looked uncomfortable for just about four quarters. You're right. you know, right. So the like, so luck. Teams won't be flawless. The same thing coming up this weekend. We're going to see great quarterback play, but we're going to see even better defense, which means there's going to be moments where our favorite quarterbacks, our favorite players, are not going to look like themselves. And Nick Foles, there were moments in his game with those two interceptions, he didn't look like himself, but none of that matters. If the game is coming down to the last two minutes, that's what matters. And to your point, Kay, even though I believed in the magic and I thought, here we go, this is it, another Mm -hmm, Nick Foles mm -hmm, moment, mm -hmm. the moment was on the Saints in that defense and them taking advantage of a very, very weird drop ball by Alshon Jeffrey. So I don't want to knock Alshon and say, I hear you, man. it's your No, it's not your fault. You guys had moments to put that game away, and you didn't. Instead, I'm going to credit that Saints defense. Like you said, they did the thing.
1: Two picks for Marshawn Lattimore. That's what changed. They looked uncomfortable, right? They looked a little uneasy, and Marshawn grabs that interception, that first one, and I feel like they finally got in the rhythm. Change the it. momentum happened. Then that one drive that they led just shows you how resilient. That
4: fourth down, spot, like Shrake said, changed right. everything. But it was it, changed everything. it was Alshon's fault. Of course it was. No question. No the question. Saints didn't make it, a play. He a, blew a play. As a, as a competitive player, he should look in the mirror and say, I could have changed the outcome of that game. Yeah, man. I think if the team collectively looks in one big mirror mm-hmm. they'll say all right quarterback threw two picks they got outplayed that fourth down where they no. give up that fake I'm yelling at the screen it's a fake punt it has to be a I fake know. punt in that moment and then, you know credit to Sean Payton man gutsy call
1: are you ready for the battle of the Shauns?
4: oh my gosh yes Talk <laughs> I
1: about cannot it. wait until <laughs> that happens just a week from today so or a week next week so this week this week we can call it this oh week. yeah It's all moving so fast. This weekend. Uh, The Eagles season ends in the Superdome, but could that loss also have ended Nick Foles' time in Philly? Let's take a listen to Foles discussing his future after the game because that's all we're going to be talking about.
0: I I think the big thing is, you know, what the city means to me. Um, You know, it's always welcome, uh, me and my family. Um, It's really been a, a joy to live there and be a part of everything and, you know, wear the green and wear the jersey. So, No matter what, you can't ever take that away. Um, We we were able to do some really special things. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you this, I've enjoyed every single moment. And it'll always have a special place in my heart. The city, the fans, the people, um, everything about it. Um, There's nothing like playing in the link um, in front of the crowd. Um, It's it's some of my favorite moments. Um, My family's got to experience some. Um, my daughter's got to experience them, so we'll see what happens, but I've enjoyed everything.
1: Enjoyed. Duh. That sounds like a little bit of a pre-farewell speech, if you ask me. Ian Rappaport joining us this morning. Uh, great weekend of football. We are excited about it being narrowed down to four, but we just heard Nick Foles say how much Philadelphia has meant to him, Sort of the chances yesterday was his last game as an Eagle?
6: Well, my understanding, Kay, is the chances are very, very good that this is the final time we see Nick Foles in an Eagles uniform, and, you know, he was actually asked post-game, said, do you want to be back? And he said, well, it's a complicated question, but no matter what happens, it's been a joy. You're right. This sounds like a guy who is likely almost certainly done here, and there's a couple different ways this could happen. Uh, the Eagles could exercise his option. Foles could then pay back $2 million and buy his freedom. The Eagles could also franchise tag him and attempt to trade him. Either way, this is a player who has earned the right to be a starting quarterback, something the Eagles very much know. Meanwhile, they are going forward with Carson Wentz. Despite the injuries, that is a guy they still believe in. He is their franchise quarterback. So either way, Nick Foles is going to be in another uniform, and the Eagles are moving forward with Wentz for 2019. Meanwhile, there was another injury yesterday, one that was much more, another injury uh, situation yesterday, much more under the radar. Alshon Jeffrey, you guys were talking about, uh, obviously had the miss and then stood up at his locker, took responsibility He was actually playing with cracked ribs, something that an MRI revealed earlier in the week. Not a lot of people knew about it. He kind of gritted his teeth and and gutted it out, Uh, but he was injured during most of that game.
4: Yeah, I can respect that. I've played with cracked ribs before. Now, you mentioned injuries and teams believing in their players. What about the Patriots and how much they might believe in Rob Gronkowski? How possible is it that this is his final season as a Patriot?
6: No, it is very possible, and I've talked to several people close to Gronk who do believe that whenever the season ends, and obviously it was not going to be yesterday with the way the Patriots played against the Chargers. They believe Gronk will sit down and strongly consider retirement. He did the same thing last year and actually threatened to retire rather than be traded to the Detroit Lions. But those people who know him very well believe that when he contemplates this, he will likely go the other way. In other words, there's a good chance that we've seen the last of Rob Gronkowski whenever this year ends. And, of course, uh, he's been through so much physically. My understanding is this year has taken an emotional toll on him, guys. Uh, He's been through a lot, and clearly maybe not the same player he's been. Uh, So this could be Gronk's last hurrah here.
1: Some monster, monster blocks from him letting Sony Michelle do his thing out there as yeah. a rookie. Ian Rappaport, we appreciate you. This was your worry all along, of course, Kyle, that it might be his last year.
5: I hate it. I feel like Gronk is down and the dupes, and he doesn't like feeling that way, and his body's been banged up. Maybe this weekend will determine it, though, mm-hmm. you know, when I go out on top. I'm worried about
0: it. It'll be a good game. They're a good team, and uh, we played them earlier this year. You know, I know, you know, everyone thinks we suck and, <laughs> you know, can't win any games. So we'll see. It'll be fun.
1: Oh, Brady with the shot at his Hi, haters. Mm-hmm. That's basically what he said. There are a lot of questions about New England heading into yesterday, but the way they dominated, did it change your perception of what this team is, guys?
5: I mean, it didn't change mine. Um, I, I was—I thought that sound but was jarring, though, because, you know, Brady in postgame, he just goes into automatic pilots. Now here to compete. And we're so excited. Yeah. <laughs> he does the lap. Yeah. The fact that he would say that when people think of us and be kind of crude about it, too, like people think we suck, it's not just him. I mean, and it's not just McCourty who's talking the same thing afterwards. We know our quarterback's too old. We're not good enough on defense. The skilled players aren't that good. I like me some angry Patriots, and I think it's been a couple of years. The last time we saw true angry Patriots was the flake eight year. I mean, it's a different team because I always look at them. They're like football one percenters. We're always good. We're always mm. in the playoffs. We always win our terrible division. I was listening to Dion last time. I talked about it. Listen, when you dominate that much, it can be boring in the regular season. You mm. get to the playoffs and you wake up. And then and else, Dion knows. Yeah. Right? And Thompson then's like, it's like the Golden State Warriors. We're bored. We're going through the motions. Wow. So if they have this kind of talent and this have, they have the hashtag chip on the shoulder where they're angry and Brady says everyone thinks we sucks. I love that. It did change my impression of them a little bit, I guess, at the end.
1: I worked up there when they were winning Super yeah. Bowls as their eighth straight AFC championship they, game. They always have a chip on their shoulder. They always see doubters. They always work that way, even if it's self-created, which is it might be at this point. There are questions about the Patriots. I had a question. I hadn't seen the statement game. That's all I really said. I said, James White's going to have a great game. Of course he did. Edelman's going to have a great game. He's going to mm. show up. And it's awesome to see what they did without Gronk even having a transcendental huge box score game. But what was the moment this year? Rivers has had the moments. This was their moment. This is their moment, and now it's don't look back. See, see in Atlanta, probably.
4: There was a point in this season where I looked into the camera and I said, "The Patriots, they're not going to the Super Bowl. This isn't your season." A lot of people. Um, don't. Th- there's so many things going on. The, the defense is inconsistent. Tom Brady is old. Gronk is falling apart. You guys going to lose Josh Gordon? It's cool. It wasn't your season. You guys have a ton of games that you can look back on and high five yourself over. It's not the case, man. This is the toughest team in the postseason. This is the strongest team. This is the scariest team. And they can do it in the air. They can do it on the ground. James White and Sonny Michelle, unbelievable. Combined for 226, who cares if you don't have Josh Gordon? Who cares if, he, if, he, if Gronk doesn't have a big game? These guys are unbelievable. James White had 15, 15 catches at the running back position. Blew me away. As I'm sitting at home and I'm watching this game, I'm saying to myself, I don't see a team beating these guys. I'll see in Atlanta, New England. Mm, my man.
1: They made it look easy, Peter Schrager. I feel a little silly, and I feel like we all knew last week when we were talking about what is it going to mean if they they lose that that wasn't really going to happen.
3: You know where the disrespect was? The disrespect was when we were all talking about, well, the Chargers went into Kansas City, and the Chargers went into Pittsburgh, and the Chargers beat Mm -hmm. the Ravens, the number one ranked defense. That that's irrelevant. This is the Patriots in January. Like that was where the disrespect was. That we thought those games somehow equated to this game. Belichick with a week to prepare against Anthony Lynn coaching in his second career playoff game. Philip Rivers had never won up there. This was a complete demolition of the the Chargers. And you know I almost feel silly even considering this going in as a possible upset because we've seen it too many times. Fool me once, fool me. You know that's what this is. And I will say this, you know, Brady talking about how we suck and, and, and Devin McCourty saying what he said, whatever fuels you. And that's what the Patriots do. They find a way to stay motivated. They say something, mm-hmm. it's called the born-to-run theory. Bruce Springsteen has played born-to-run 500,000 times. Bill Belichick says he still finds a way to get motivated every single time for a new audience. Born-to-run theory, here we go Is another challenger. We find a way to get motivated, and that was a wipeout last night.
1: I'll throw some motivation on them. They're 3-5 and on the road this season. They have to go into Arrowhead and get themselves a win. They've got some ghosts in that building as well. Thanks so much, Peter Schrager. Guys, let's talk about these Rams getting a nice win at home at the Coliseum. They're a running team. Clearly, (laughs) what surprised you, Kyle, about this squad?
5: Let's be real. We had a lot of love for the Cowboys at this table, and there's no shame in that. Um, You know how sometimes teams will take on the identity of their town? You know, Nate, you used to talk about that all the time when you were a Lion. You take on that working mentality. No question. Um, The Rams do not do that. They do not take on I've spent a lot of years in L.A. L.A. is a pretty town, and the Rams got a pretty quarterback and a pretty coach Mm. and a pretty offense and everything. They were ugly in this game. I mean, real ugly. Ran right down the middle. Sometimes you just need a five foot seven, two hundred and forty-pound fire hydrant named CJ Anderson to ugly <laughs> things up a little bit. And let me say this about the Cowboys. We love those wolf hunters, we love those two linebackers. The Wolf ate on this in this game. The, the Wolf won this thing <laughs> big time. I'm telling you, I love those Jalen and Leighton and everything, but this was right up oh. the middle. None of the jet sweep, triple reverse. This, is, could, have been 19, this could have been Eric Dickerson Talk about running it. for the old L.A. Rams. A gap, B gap, C gap, beat down. I was so impressed that the Rams were so ugly and so good. Incredible.
1: But those dunes are so
5: cute.
4: Oh, they're so good, Kay. So
5: I love good. them.
1: They're so good.
4: They're so pretty. Yeah, C.J. Anderson had a great quote after the game. He tweeted out, he said, well, you know, I'm blessed to be back in another championship game and then he paused and he said just a fat boy running. Big boy was out there moving man and I'll tell you this CJ was unbelievable and you're right it was an ugly ugly game but so ugly in a good way. When you look at what they did on both sides of the ball, it was impressive. But for me, it does go to the trenches. It goes to Todd Gurley, to. who didn't have to do much. And then it goes to uh, C.J. Anderson. When you look at that 273 yards, I think the most impressive stat of the weekend is that 195 of those yards came in between the tackles. Mm. We're talking straight downhill, mm. hard-nosed, old-school, hard-fought football. And that's what I love mostly. Sometimes you get these running games, and they're out wide. There's a little bit of a trickeration. You got pitch plays, and they're running away from people. No, they went right down the street. 405 Freeway, baby. Interstate. And and, and that, for me, it it sent a message. (laughs) It it sent a message. It it does represent the duplicity of this offense. This week four, they put up 456 in the air. They were lighting up the skies. That was against the Vikings. They won the game, and they scored 38 points. In this game, they scored 30 points Mm. and put up 273 yards rushing. If that doesn't scare the rest of the teams in the postseason, I don't know what does. I mean,
1: because why would they stop doing this, right? They're just going to keep running the ball. Yes. We'll see if it's, it's effective incredible. down in the dome, but I'm, the way I look at it, I'm going to put on my Sean O'Hara half zip right now and talk about the offensive line, <laughs> right. because you're mentioning C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. I think that's the biggest surprise here because the last couple of weeks of the season, they weren't the best offensive line. There were questions of what's Whitworth doing, what's going on. 5.7 yards per carry. That 273 is good for top 10 in a playoff game in the Super Bowl era, yeah. that amount of yards on the ground. So, if they keep doing this, that's great, but it's really the offensive line that was amazing. Guys, Jared Goff wasn't Sacked and he was pressured once. Once the entire game. That's unbelievable to me. And I love the fact that Andrew Whitworth, OG. So amazing, and he had such a crazy record. We're talking about Rivers up against Brady. How about the fact Mm. that Whitworth was 0-7 in the playoffs? Six playoff losses with the Bengals, one brutal one last year against the Falcons, and he finally gets his big playoff win, his first in 13 career seasons. We don't have the footage of it, but please go to Instagram. I'm sure it's trending everywhere, his kids coming onto the field. All day. And he picks them all up. They're all jumping all over him. It was my favorite moment of the weekend, Andrew Whitworth finally getting his playoff win, Peter.
3: Yeah, one of the real good guys of the league. You know, it wasn't so much surprising to me. It was just Sean McVay just taking everyone's label of him as this quarterback whisperer, taking that and ripping it up and saying quarterback whisperer, quarterback whisperer, I'm everything. Look, they were up eight points late in the game. He calls a timeout on fourth down. Everyone thinks they're going to bring out the field goal kicker and says, he says, no, 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 let's go for it. Let's put this one out of reach. Give it to C.J. Anderson, touchdown, 15-point lead. Come and get it. Look, looking into this game, the word was mentally tough. The Cowboys were more mentally tough. The Cowboys were more built for this thing. The Rams played what exactly everyone thought the Cowboys were going to do, the style of football, and absolutely dominated them. This was one of those games where McVeigh flexed on the rest of the league and said, you could find the Sean McVeigh light. You could find the next quarterback whisper, but that's not me. I am a complete coach, mm-hmm. and I will tell you this. This comes from a very high-ranking official with the Rams. They saw on Good Morning Football – three pundits picking the Cowboys. They saw on ESPN's <laughs> right. Mike Greenberg show five different pundits picking the Cowboys. And they saw on the morning pregame shows everybody picking the Cowboys because they're tougher. I trust Dak Prescott more. That only motivated that team. McVeigh used that to motivate them. And one more nugget you'll like. 20 minutes before kickoff, McVay is in his little coach's office getting focused for this game. And, Nate, we did Mm -hmm. preseason games. Sean McVay, 24 minutes before kickoff, is an absolute madman who's possessed and he's unlike anybody else. His door knocks and he says, who is bothering me 20 minutes before kickoff? Two heads pop in, Peyton Manning and LeBron. Hey, coach, we just want to wish you good luck today. I think he's in some good company right now. And now they're rolling on to the (laughs) the NFC championship game. This was some, some coaching performance. Kudos to the players. But I'll tell you what, Sean McVay, he showed the rest of the league. There is no Sean McVay light. There is no next Sean McVay. I'm the guy, and I will beat you any single way I want.
1: Just what? casual knock, knock, knock on the door from those great That's cool. nugget there. And he is officially the youngest NFL coach to win a playoff game. It's awesome. That's Sean McVay. Thanks Full so coach. Much. Strax, we'll talk to you in a little bit. Everybody was at that game. Camaro is all business on the field. I tried to tell you, Kyle, they started the ski mass and they finished it. The Saints and those masks advanced to the NFC Championship presented by TurboTax Live. It'll be a week nine rematch of their game against the Rams, also in the Superdome. And in that game, the Saints won by ten. Let's talk about how things might turn out on Sunday. Peter Schrager, you were at this game last night. You know this Rams squad very well, calling some of the preseason games as well. So what's your first impression when I tell you Rams-Saints? Part two.
3: I think about the two head coaches, McVay and Peyton, the two Seans, and I say it's McVay vs. Payton Part 3. Remember, they played last year in a regular season game in Week 12, and the Rams got the best of the Saints out in L.A. at the Coliseum in a 26-20 game. And that was when McVay was the coach of the year in the young hotshot and was kind of puffing his chest out. Well, we go back to this year, and like you just saw right there, in a game that everyone in the country was watching, the Saints took a huge lead in the Superdome, the Rams came all the way back, and then Michael Thomas scores the touchdown, brings out the cell phone, and the Saints put away the Rams. I think these two coaches, many years apart in age, are the two best coaches in the NFC, and they will be squaring off. I think you are seeing offense. I think you are seeing fourth-down aggressiveness. I think you will see trickery. The amount of times that Sean Payton went to Taysom Hill in big spots yesterday Mm. cannot Mm -hmm. be understated. The fact that Taysom Hill was such a huge part of the offense, he actually threw a touchdown pass to Kamara yesterday that was taken back because of a holding call. But the reliance on Taysom Hill was fantastic. And the Rams, they do a lot of the same kind of stuff. Fourth down aggressive nature and let's go big. I'll say this. These are the two coaches who have been the story of the NFC all year. They will go head-to-head, and you've got a 40-year-old Drew Brees going up against a 24-year-old Jared Goff, and you've got the young coach in McVay, and you've got the older coach in Sean Payton. Mm. If I am a fan and I have no dog in this fight, I am sitting down on the couch, I am buckling up, I'm getting some popcorn, and I'm just going to enjoy. Two coaching masterminds (laughs) at the top of their craft going at it for the third time in what will be a rubber match in the biggest stakes of all. The Super Bowl awaiting them.
1: Sean on Sean Crime. Great setup there by Schrager. The way that I look at it is just the dome is going to play huge. I can't get over yesterday seeing how uncomfortable and rattled Nick Foles looked. A guy who was unrattable in Soldier Field against such a top defense looked cool as a cucumber. And all of a sudden yesterday was struggling for three quarters. So to me, the Dome, it got they were down 14-zip. And that Marshawn Lattimore interception is all it took for it to t- flip on its head. And that crowd, caught, you know, as much as we want to say the defense is great— Interception, five punts, interception. The crowd knew that they had an effect on this game, so that's going to be huge as they're now 6-0, and still undefeated with Sean Payton and Drew Brees in the postseason in New Orleans.
5: You could feel the waves of momentum in that game. They, they hit you like a brick. I've yeah. never really seen that. Early, late, middle, It's it comes so hard in, in the noise and in the TV, watching at home. And I want to know how one of the quarterbacks is going to respond to that. Let's look at the four guys we have left, right? Mm-hmm. Brady, quarterback God. Brady's yeah. quarterback God. Yeah. Mahomes is Bobby Fisher meets Evil Knievel. He's got... At all. Yeah. Jared Goff is very intriguing. Talk about it. And Jared Goff, I take nothing away from him. He just won a home playoff game. He won a home playoff. He didn't have to throw a touchdown. The run game was incredible. Can Jared Goff go and beat the Saints in the dome? Can he have a Jared Goff moment, a Jared Goff drive? The answer is, I hope so, but I don't know. I, I really don't. They, and if you think that they can just get in this running game with them, as good as Michael Thomas was last night against the Eagles, he was even better against the Rams last time. They played it over 200 yards. He'll be the best player in this game again. Yeah. So, my question would be if Thomas gets going and Breeze gets off to us, can Jared Goff say, No problem, I'm looking up at Whistleman and all the Saints on those waves of momentum, and I got this? I don't know yet. The only quarterback of the four remaining that I don't know if he has
4: it in the big moments. I can't wait.
1: First career road game for Jared Goff. Road playoff. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Last week going into the Philly Saints game, I said if the Philadelphia Eagles take care of the ball, if Jared Goff takes care of the ball, I have faith in them winning. They didn't do that. You have to be perfect. There's no such thing as playing with house money when you're not in your house. So once you get a lead and you're up 14-0, You have to take advantage. You're so close to everything being perfect. And that's where they were before they made mistake after mistake. And then they give up the fake punt. And all of a sudden, that lead and the momentum just start to slip right out of their hands. So moving forward, if you're looking at the Rams and what they're going to be able to do in this game, they're going to be able to run the ball. Mm. They'll be able to throw the ball as well. The defense will play well. You look at the Eagles' defense. They played pretty good against the Saints. But you cannot let Drew Brees have a chance to keep their team in it through three quarters. Mm. If you're up by 10, if you're up by 14, if you have a chance to extend this game, not only are you keeping Drew Brees on the sideline, but you are hitting that crowd base right in the gut. And that's the one thing you have to do. You're not just playing against the Saints. You're playing against the energy. You're playing against the vibe. You're playing against the voodoo, the juju, however you want to frame it, however you want to name it. I've been there. I've been there in the playoffs and thinking to myself, this is a game, going to halftime, looking at my guys, and hey, we're good. Don't worry about it. We're going to go, out. we're going to finish this. We're going to celebrate on the plane. It's all good. And all of a sudden, one mistake happens. And then another mistake happens. Look out. And then they make a play. Look out is right. Not only does the crowd raise, and it seems like somebody just went five clicks up on what you're listening to, the crowd seems to overwhelm you. I remember at one point I was on the sideline, mm-hmm. and I looked behind me because I thought the stands were closer to me. That's how loud it was, they and that's how overwhelming the energy was. And I think that's wh- what it was at some points in the game for the Philadelphia Eagles. When they had this team on the ropes, it was like they were sitting there days and all they needed was one more power punch. Mm-hmm. And they then set back. Finish him, and they couldn't. They couldn't. So if you're the Rams, mm-hmm. you get a lead early, What you have to do. One, take care of the ball, and don't fall for the okey-doke. There mm-hmm. will be trick plays. And the one thing about trick plays, it not only gets the first down, but it changes the it collection of the game. Yeah. Rams have to be perfect if they want to win this game. I
1: think we're in store for a lot of trick plays in this one. Maybe they run the ball. I will say Jared Goff outside of the Coliseum. Ten touchdowns, nine interceptions in the regular season. So C.J. Anderson may be a big role. Let's talk about C.J. Anderson. What a cool story. What a day for him. 123 yards, two touchdowns. Can he and Gurley keep the ground attack rolling in the Superdome of breaking down championship weekend after this?
2: In today's busy age, you may think you don't have time to read a book. Well, think again. Blinkist is the only app that condenses thousands of nonfiction books into the best key takeaways. So, you can read or listen to them in just 15 minutes. For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to blinkist.com slash to start your free seven day trial. That's Blinkist, goodmorning dot com slash good morning.
1: Out of all the performances we saw this weekend, there were some lopsided games, it was sort of a weird weekend, Kyle. Let's just be honest yeah. about it. Whose performance impressed you guys the most in this divisional?
5: I think I'm just gonna stay right there. Michael Thomas was that was otherworldly what he did. And no matter what the Eagles tried, no matter what Jim Shorts was dialing up, it just came back to Thomas. After, after all these catches, he would do this flex. I feel like he flexed 50 times. You know, we use this phrase, he flexed on the Eagles. He literally flexed on the Eagles like yeah, he was literally. doing a Mr. Universe pose over and over. I, I play a lot of the old-fashioned Tecmo Bowl. There's a player on the Chicago Bears named Cap Bozo who has a play that's a glitch in the game that if you call it, it's an unstoppable pattern. It can't okay. be defended. It's actually an error in the programming. That's what Michael Thomas was last night. He was an error in the programming. There's nothing the Eagles could do. Mm. Didn't it feel like 30 times Breeze just looked back and it was Thomas over the middle? There's a lot of controversy controversy about, before the uh, fake punt that the Saints run, the Saints were called for a penalty, and Doug Peterson was faced with the choice to go with fourth and one and decline the penalty.
1: Yeah, what you think of that?
5: Or accept it and go to third and 11. And some people are saying revisionist history, fourth and one, they run the fake punt. Maybe he should have gone to third and 11. I don't think he should have, first of all, because they were so far back in their territory, even crazy Sean Payton, you didn't think that they were going to fake it. However... If they had, there's nothing that I saw in that game that they would have stopped them on 3rd and 11 anyway. Let's say they you know, they had declined it, or accepted it rather. I feel like Brees is going to Thomas for 15 yards right over the middle, so I don't regret that at all if you're an Eagles fan. He was the best player on the field, and it wasn't even close. It was him and Fletcher Cox who had to leave. Thomas, that was the game of his life,
4: and I think the best is yet to come against the Rams. I don't see how they're stopping him either. Yeah, speaking of the best is yet to come, how about the Patriots? continue to reinvent themselves and and looking at the game plan. I remember going into this game and I was saying, all right, James White, I know what he does in the playoffs. The last uh, four games he has seven TDs. Like he's a beast. He's going to go off, which he did, 15 catches. That's nothing to sneeze at. But how about Sonny Michel, though? Sonny Michel, he's playing at such a high level, and the Patriots have him playing at such an efficient level that we forget he's a rookie. This young man is an absolute beast. We're just taking it for what it is. Oh, he's just another good running back in the league. And it's, you know, these are the type of games that veteran running backs that are the best in the league have. Not a rookie that just got in the league. He goes out and has three TDs, a a buck 50-plus, and just doing it on the ground as a traditional running back. And he can also catch up the backfield. The Patriots said, no, we're not going to use you as that. We're going to use you as our true four-down running back. We'll use James White as a true wide receiver, and we'll keep everybody off balance. You know what's crazy about all this? The next week it could be completely flipped. Sony Michelle could I lead know. the team in receptions, and James White will be the in-between tackles guy. That's why they're so hard to game plan at this point in the
1: year. Two studios ago, getting that jersey from New from New uh. England, Sony Michelle signed one for me, and I knew it. Then uh. and I know it more now. Like this kid's going to be special and make an impact, and he already is uh, early in the playoffs. I'm going to give it to. Most impressive performance to me was the Chiefs defensive line. Hell yeah. Because this is what I was looking at. I kind of was boring about it last week, thinking about what D. Ford and Chris Jones and company were going to look like against what was the best offensive line in the league. The Colts offensive line, guys, held J.J. Watcher, David Clowney, and the Texans' defense without a sack last week. This week... They were all over Andrew Luck. It was unbelievable. They got him three times. They pressured him another eight. Sammy Watkins fumbled. And what does D4 do? Makes one of the biggest plays of the game, if not the biggest, in stripping Andrew Luck of the ball to get it back for them. So, to me, this pass rush gives them a shot here. There are so pro- What has been my main criticism about the Chiefs this year?
5: Chiefs defense. Their
1: defense. Their secondary. If you can sort of mask some of those issues with a pass rush and get to Tom Brady the way Melvin Ingram and Joy Bosa were supposed to, you've got a shot here against the Patriots that said, Tom Brady Mm. does not – how long does he have the ball in his hands? Like (laughs) half a second? Whatever is needed. It's gone. They kill you with the screen game. Look at James White yesterday. We knew that was coming, and they couldn't stop it. Shregs, what was the most impressive thing to you?
3: Look, at the end of the day, we're going into the conference championships, and you could have your Matt Nagy, and you could have your Anthony Lynn. The four best offensive coaches in all of football will be coaching – on Sunday. And when I'm talking about that, I mean Josh McDaniels, who is a bona fide beast, as Nate was saying, Andy Reid, Sean Payton and Sean McVay, the four best mm-hmm. offensive minds in the entire world, will be coaching on the same day. And I cannot wait to see what Mr. Sean McVay has to unveil, because I'll tell you what, guys, my standout from the weekend was not the quarterback. It was not the passing game. It were those two running backs and the rushing attack for the L.A. Rams. The numbers are are insane guys the rams had 48 carries of the ball on saturday night 273 yards on the ground they averaged 5.7 yards per carry I swear, I watched every show on NFL Network. I even watched ESPN, or I tried to, and they were talking about how the Cowboys were going to run the ball down the throat of that Rams defense. The Cowboys run game, the offensive line, get out of here with that. It was all Rams, and it was the Rams ground game. What a statement to the rest of the league. And I'll say this about C.J. Anderson. 31 teams could have signed C.J. Anderson for a week. 31 teams had the opportunity. The odds of this happening, that Malcolm Brown, the backup running back, gets injured the same week that C.J. Anderson becomes available – Aqib Tlaib knows C.J. Anderson from the Denver days. Wade Phillips knows, A- mm. knows C.J. Anderson from the Denver days. They talk to McVeigh, They say, bring him in. He shows up 240 pounds looking like Mike Tolbert. And guess what? He absolutely wow. dominated on the biggest of stages <laughs> and looked better yeah. than Ezekiel Elliott and looked better than whatever the Cowboys had to offer. I love this coming weekend because I'm all about offensive fireworks, and I think we have the four greatest offensive geniuses on the entire planet doing chess matches against each other. But McVay was the most impressive Saturday night, and it wasn't the passing game. It were those two running backs running it up the gut on the Cowboys. Talk about it. <laughs> Talk about it.
5: You guys be fired I'm
1: up. I'm fired up, too. It's, it's We have a barrel now. Choose wisely, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Whose offense do you have the most faith in? Let's start with our friend out in New Orleans right now. He working the sidelines for Fox last night for the Saints game. What do you got, Shrags?
3: I saw one of the great offenses of NFL history, the New Orleans Saints, play last night. I saw one of the clutchest performers, Nick Foles, go down to the wire last night. And yet I can't get the thought of what the Rams did to the Cowboys out of my head from Saturday night. I'm going to say the Rams. The Rams right now are dialed up. And if you look at their last two regular season games, getting CJ Anderson going, I don't know who to stop now because Robert Woods is playing at an elite level. Tyler Higbee is stepping up. Josh Reynolds is making big plays. Jared Goff is dialed in, and the two running backs are now fully healthy, and they are all of a sudden as good a running back duo in the league, and that includes Kamara and Ingram who have done it for 17 weeks and now a playoff game. All of a sudden, when you put up 270 yards rushing on the ground – I don't know how to stop you. And you add in the most important factor the head coach, the play caller, Sean McVay. So I'm going to say the Rams, just because of how they dominated Saturday night against one of the best defenses we've seen in the league all year. The Rams to me are the pick. Kyle, who you got?
5: I mean, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, and not because they have me over a barrel, but because I think they have at home and I think they got the MVP and the most dangerous player in Tyreek Hill. It's that simple. We can't be wrong with any of these, but I got a feeling the Chiefs now, now we know how to win. Happy learned how to punt. I'm going with the Mahomes.
1: It is first world problems, these offenses. It's true. I will go with the Saints, though, because even when things didn't go their way, they fixed it. I think Taysom Hill is an absolute spark plug. There is not a player like him on the field. They punted once in the last three quarters, and we're talking the best offense going into this week at home. They are the best offense mm. in the His league.
5: touchdown
4: pass was a laser. Mm-hmm. The one that got called back, he chucked that thing. I think they might come back to that. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at the Pats and it's so many different reasons. I don't want to go too far in the history and start talking about the championships and the rings that they have in the jewelry box. For me, it's about yesterday's game and how they were able to play at such an efficient level. Offensively, there was so much pre-snap movement, and that right there confuses any defense. I don't care what defenses are in the postseason. I don't care who's left, Saints, Rams, Chiefs. The fact that they have so much movement pre-snap, and then defensively, it gives so many defensive coordinators fit. So, for me, it's Josh McDaniels versus the field. Having a chance to prepare versus the defense that can fly around, that are fast, that are athletic, they can't do anything when they don't know who to game plan for. So they're going to go into this game saying, you know what, let's stop Sonny myself from running the ball. Well, oh, he might not run the ball next. He might not even play a snap at running back. He could be their leading receiver next week. And that right there is the mind games that Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and the Patriots play with everybody else.
1: Sounds like it's all going to come out down to who the best defense is of these four. Yeah. You're
4: right. You're right. You're right.
1: Lattimore. And we'll see.
5: Lattimore, sorry. two picks. So you got to ride with your team. The other one's yeah,
1: well, the, the pass, <laughs> that's a tough one to ride against because they're headed to their eighth straight AFC championship. Is Mahomes the guy to stop Brady right in his tracks?
5: Everyone thinks we suck. We don't have any good players. We can't win games. Okay, Tom, we get <laughs> it. You're motivating you yourself. Know he yeah, was you a little
1: thrown off what he said suck? Yeah, it was a little jarring,
5: a little
2: crude. Just not his usual
1: He's a human.
5: Can't wait. It is
2: now gumbo week. We're always here to learn new things each week, and the divisional round was no different. Here's what the breakfast table learned from the action in the divisional round.
1: It's Tuesday, you guys know what that means. Time for what we learned in the divisional round. It taught us plenty. Oh,
5: yeah. You know what I learned this week? I learned I have a favorite new head coach in the NFL, and so do you. You might just not know it yet. The four of us won the Powerball, guys. If We we won the content Powerball. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens is the head coach of the Browns, and Pete Shrags has done an incredible job over the past month or so putting him on our radar, talking about his incredible background, his wide-open system, everything he's done for Baker Mayfield on the field. The background is incredible. He coached under Saban, Parcells, it goes on and on and on, and the meteoric rise from running back coach to head coach in one year. And then yesterday, we finally got a look at the new king as he sat down to meet the media as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. And like I said, guys, let's just sit back and enjoy. I hope this is a 30-year run for him as the coach because he's incredible. First, coach, have a little background. Tell us what it was like growing up in Gadsden, Alabama.
7: I was a Browns fan when I was growing up. Now, keep in mind, I grew up in Gadsden, Alabama. It was Alabama football, all right? But on Sundays, you had to do something other than go to church and eat a lot, all right? So when – the television when the Cleveland Browns were on television I was watching the Cleveland Browns and um, you know I just I, I like their uniforms I mean I love the helmet I like the simplicity of the helmet all right so hopefully we don't ever change that but you know, hopefully it's not in the works anytime sir but <laughs> anyways I like the. but I went to Alabama we didn't change helmets at Alabama so I'm a traditionalist all right that's the way I coach You can take the boy out of Gadsden.
5: You cannot take the Gadsden out of the boy. Coaches are supposed to sit down and say, we're going to work hard, and we're going to put a winning product on this. Freddie, have you heard that um, you're actually pretty popular in Cleveland? You have a following. What do you think of that?
7: I think I'm popular in Cleveland because we won some games, you know? Um, But, yeah, I mean, probably. I know I hear from my kids at school that – from school that everybody wants that orange dog pound sweatshirt, so (laughs) – so, hey, I don't know. Hell, it might be popular because of the sweatshirt. I don't know.
5: Maybe. Maybe it is. And I think maybe. Dorsey a very popular yeah. sweatshirt, too. Um, Weird seeing him in a suit. I know, right? And I don't, I don't think we will for a long time. There's, there's, everyone's trying to win the room now. Everyone's got to have the cool hire, the young, sexy hire. And Freddie was asked about that. You know, you weren't a real popular choice necessarily. And what he said actually kind of fired me up.
7: In saying that... You know, it takes some, uh, I won't use any bad language, Miss D, now, but it takes some um, guts to do what they did, all right? And I appreciate that. I won't let them down. And all you got to do is sit back and watch, all right? Because I know that I'm not a popular choice. I understand that, and I don't care. He doesn't Ooh. care. Ooh.
5: You can't be telling me if you are not. Just a little part of you as a Steelers fan. A Rave, you got to appreciate this. This guy is the genuine article. And maybe my favorite part of when his personal age just he couldn't help himself, was at the end, John Dorsey was asked, you know, John, certainly when you put together a list of head coaches going back, he must not have been on your list, right? Or was he? Dorsey, tell us about it.
6: No, he wasn't. But that doesn't mean that he's not a qualified coach. I mean, his, uh, I mean, you just look at the eight games he did, kind of caught your attention, too, didn't it? No.
7: Uh, Freddie. Good job, man. Good job. <laughs> Good job. That's impressive, man. <laughs> yeah. It is impressive. This guy
5: is a treasure. Afterwards, you know, it's wrapping up. Everyone, in, he's intermixing yeah. with the media. Our very own Omar Ruiz, who's been all over this, tweets this out as if we need one more piece of personality. Freddie, a very likable guy having fun in the media scrum, says, facetious is one of only two words in the English language that contains every vowel in order. That's the chatter going on afterwards. <laughs> now, I did a little research, and that's not true at all. There's several other <laughs> words, which as is fine. Say. Abstemious is fine, but facetious works either way. And I'm not being facetious when I say this, too. As we go into this era, we're going to have a lot of fun of it, but I'm going to make a personal vow as it pertains to Freddie Kitchens. In 1998, Conan O'Brien had a whole thing as the year was wrapping up where he asked all local radio stations around the country, please do not play 1999 by Prince on New Year's Eve. It's too predictable. It's low hanging fruit. We get it. it's 1999. Of course. I'm making a vow on this show and every segment that we do for the rest of the Freddie Kitchens era. I will not engage in any kitchens based wordplay whatsoever. It yeah is right. way too. I'm making a vow. I don't believe it. I'm making it. a there's vow. There's a baker with a kitchen and you're not. There's, there's too many cooks. See, so if you can't take it, get out of the heat. Open floor plan. The quarterback's name is
3: Baker, and he's coached his tried everything it's in the kitchen done. sink.
5: With respect to him, th- the late, great Tony Sperano, who we all miss in this league, when he was hired as the Dolphins head coach, right. every idiot on the Rams, who's the offensive Ooh. coordinator? Paulie Walnuts? Yeah. Is Jackie Jr. on quality control? It was stupid. We've made a few. I've made a few from this day moving forward. I'm not being facetious. A-E-I-O-U. I will not make a single moment of kitchen space wordplay. That's N- it. Nate's not going to be able to talk about the Browns this year. Oh, no, Nate's done. Nate, Nate, you, Nate, you you're screwed, Nate. That not, rule is I wouldn't pull you
1: guys in Yeah, he's not taking the ball. <laughs> Kyle, you're you going to fail.
4: You will fail.
5: Watch. I'm a diligent man. I will not make a kitchen's-based pond. That's it.
4: You're on an island, just like <laughs> in a kitchen. <laughs> that's,
5: probably that's the point. last but we time. can
1: always <laughs> bait him into it, yeah. which will be fun. <laughs> this week, I learned that what the Saints did in the third quarter was the best thing I've ever seen. I'm just going to go ahead and put it that way. I'm talking about the best drive ever. 18 play, 92 yards, setting a record for longest drive in playoff history since the merger. Yeah, that one by the Saints in the third quarter. That took forever. Straight probably took a nap and tied his shoes while that was going on. But to truly understand how impressive the whole sequence was, let's just relive it, guys. Let's All break right. it down a little bit here. And let's start with thirteen oh nine left in the third. First and ten, Saints eight. Ingram goes up the middle. Casual gets it done. Fast forward, seven plays, three minutes, and two first downs later. It's third and three from the Saints 45, Josh Another first down. Two plays later, Taysom Hill oh, at quarterback. Breeze but... at receiver. The dime to Camara. Laser. Who scores? But wait, offensive holding is call. called back. Yeah. Very next play now, second and twenty. Breeze two. Can't guard. Michael Thomas extending the play for another first down. So seven plays, four minutes, and a first down later. A holding penalty leaves the Saints at the third and sixteen. Breeze under pressure steps up and boom. Thomas, again. We're
5: over 10 minutes here, Kay.
1: (laughs) Two plays, one minute, one offensive all start later. Saints are in the red zone, and Kamara gets the ball to the Saints, too, which we are seeing. And here you go, the touchdown. Mm. Of course, Breeze, uh, I mean, thank God they scored at the end of all of this. I would just like you gentlemen to know that that took 11 minutes and 29 seconds. That was the length of the actual drive. TV time, 17 minutes. Do you think – That was longer. The drive, let's say the TV time of the drive, was faster than the fastest 5K ever ran?
5: Uh, No, I don't know.
1: It was longer. It was? Yeah. It took a, a guy 12 minutes and 37 seconds. Anthony Hopkins yeah. is in Silence of the Lambs. Sure. What is his screen time? How long is he actually in the movie? Is that longer than this? He won an Academy Award, I think he was there. The best, best, best actor. Yeah.
5: So you're not supporting him. Tell me, what was it?
1: He was on the screen for 15 minutes of that Crazy. movie. Crazy. That's it. So this drive was Living longer. Your it is longer than our lead blocks. It is absolutely insane what they did. And I can only imagine... What that did to this Eagles squad sitting on the bench. You were there.
3: Yeah, every time it was third and long, they found Michael Thomas a third and 20. And they, went, and they scored a touchdown that had to be taken back. The penalties are what made it crazy because the Eagles, every time you think they're... Two-holding. They it was uh-huh. It was just never-ending drive. It sucked the life out of the Eagles.
1: Hmm. 11 minutes and 30 seconds.
4: So much Michael Thomas. Insane. For real. Well, listen, I want to talk about Julian Edelman. And what I learned is that he is the family Jewels of the New England Patriots. Mm. All right, now, after putting up nine receptions for 151 against the Chargers on Sunday, Julian Edelman passed Reggie Wayne to become number two all-time for postseason receptions. Check this out. That's more than Michael Irvin, Heinz Ward, Marvin Harrison, and just behind who's at number one? You guessed it. Yep. The GOAT, Jerry Rice. That's crazy, 151. Nobody His records are so stupid. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but jewels, though. 98 catches. How about that? Now, but this crown jewel... Started off more of a diamond in the rough. Drafted 23rd pick in the seventh round of 2009. A lot of people were confused by what he can bring to the table for an NFL team. His draft profile is infamous. Check this out. Lacks the size and speed and the passing accuracy to remain a quarterback. All right. Okay. All right. He's a bit of a gimmick, you know, a gimmick prospect. And some said he may lack a true position at the next level. But there's only one quote that matters. Julian, in his book, he sent me it. Thanks, Jules, by the way. He said that Bill Belichick called him and said, Hey, This is Coach Belichick. We're going to draft you. We don't really know what you're going to do, but we know that you can play football. And that's all you want to hear. And Julian Edelman is a true football player. Hey, fast forward a few years later, and this hidden gem made it crystal clear that he is the king of the postseason. He put up 26 receptions for 281 yards in the 2014 Super Bowl run, and then another 21 catches for 342 (laughs) in the 2016 Super Bowl run, including... You know, this catch right here in Super Bowl 51, the Julian Juggle, which I can watch over and over and over again. Honestly, this is one of the best postseason catches of all time. Now, the crown jewel, he's back at it again. The Chiefs, they better watch out because this pearl of the Patriots is about to shine bright like a diamond. (laughs) But seriously, though, we don't talk about jewels enough, and I try to tell you guys to pay attention to them. There's one thing to be good in the regular season. It's another thing to be amazing in the postseason is one of the best of all time.
1: Mm. I feel like Same we've gone too long, long without seeing that catch from the Super Bowl. I feel like I haven't seen it in a minute. It's, like it's so friend. crazy. Radio, Brady was
3: on Boston Radio yesterday, and this is the quote I thought was crazy. He said that Julian Edelman is as mentally and physically tough as any player who's ever put on a Patriots uniform. Mm-hmm. That's from Tom Brady. That's the highest of praise, wow. and you're absolutely right. The Patriots themselves really put
5: on an Instagram video yesterday of people in the media saying Edelman doesn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Edelman slowed down. He looked
4: incredible yeah, in that game last it. week. I love and he him. chirps. If you want to pay attention oh, to yeah. subtlety, He chirps at the biggest dude on the field. He's ready to fight every single play. And that's the guy you want to. your And that
1: book, of course, titled Relentless, which is him personified. In
2: today's age, it can be hard to find the time to sit down and learn more, especially when the likes of social media can be so addictive and time-consuming. So you may think you don't have the time to read a book or to develop yourself. Well, think again. Blinkist is the only app that condenses thousands of nonfiction books into the best key takeaways and need-to-know information. So, you can read, listen to them in just 15 minutes. Eight million people are using Blinkist right now. And it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. I like Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I feel like I can fast track my path to a more informed and healthy me. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash good morning to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash good morning to start your free seven-day trial.
3: Blinkist.com slash good morning. I'm going to talk about the Eagles. You know, as a journalist, you're supposed to be objective. But sometimes you come across a player or an individual that you can't just help rooting for. Maybe not in a particular play or in a game, but in life. To me, Nick Foles is that guy. Time and time again, he does or says something that we can all take and learn from. In the biggest moment of the season, with 42 million people watching at home, Alshon Jeffrey dropped a pass that he would catch 99 out of 100 times. And guess what? Where is Nick Foles? The first person to greet Alshon Jeffrey after this play is not some other receiver or not somebody. It's Nick Foles who ran to lift up Alshon Jeffrey and get him and then speak with him on the sideline the entire ensuing next two minutes. Mm. You see here, Jeffrey's down, Mm -hmm. but who was it? It's Foles who had his back. Foles was there the entire time I was on the sidelines while everyone else was worried about everything else in the game. Foles was so f- wholly focused mm. on Jeffrey. Look, let's go to this one. That's Foles. And if you can't love Nick Foles, his story, his message, you probably don't have much that you love in life. I've gotten to know <laughs> Foles pretty well over the past few years through countless Fox production meetings, and I spent 30 minutes with him on Saturday before the game. He was tremendous. And the things he said were so fascinating. He told me this. On what he learned through his wild career ride – Nick Foles told me, of all the down points in his career, the being traded, the being cut by the Rams, contemplating retirement before Andy Reid talked him out of it and gave him a shot in Kansas City, he needed all of that to have the peace of mind that he has now. It was such like a real response. Like, I needed that in life. I needed that to get where I was. On his relationship with that guy, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles told me that... He would say thank you every game last year through the playoff run and every year since he went and started to Wentz afterwards. He would make sure that he told Wentz, his friend and his ally, thank you because you are what got me here. You have helped me prepare. You have put your ego aside and you have allowed me to do this. To say thank you every single time that Wentz was in the room and making sure that he knows he's a part of this and is loved, that's special stuff. And if Foles didn't handle things that way and didn't serve – Wentz like that as a friend. The impact that Wentz's presence could have had on this team is unimaginable, a a negative impact on that lingering, this quarterback controversy. But most amazingly was what Foles told me on his uncertain future. He spoke like a human being. He and his wonderful wife, Tori, have an 18-month-old daughter. And Full said that the main reason he has any anxiety about any of this and the main reason that he wants to know where he's going is the same exact reason that any husband and father yeah. with an uncertain work situation would feel anxiety. He's like, I've got a young family. I'd love to know where we're laying down our roots. I just want to know where we're living. I want to know where my wife and my daughter can say is home, and that is dad stuff. That's not player stuff, that's dad stuff that we all can relate to. Nick Foles speaks openly, he speaks honestly, and he speaks as if football is almost secondary to life. And for that, I would say this about Nick Foles. He is one of a kind, and every time he speaks, either publicly or privately, I beg you to listen. He may just be 30 years old, but this dude is as wise, as classy, and as gentle a guy that you'll come across. I wish him all the best of luck and however the next stage of his career plays out. I know Philadelphia does as well, but I also know that he doesn't need that from any of us. That kid is doing just fine as he is. Nick Foles, hats off to you. An amazing run, and if you never play for the Eagles again, that's all good. Mm. You're doing things the right way.
4: Good job. That's man. awesome. Good there's job. something to be learned about this. You said that he almost walked away from the game, which you have to come to grips that you don't need the game anymore. And there's a freedom in that. I've been there late in my career where I realized I don't need to chase the money. I don't need to chase the Lombardi. And I've never been better on the field. There's a ton of guys right now that are pressing because they feel like they need the cash. Mm-hmm. They need the team. They need the adoration, the praise on the fans. But once you free yourself up and you believe in something bigger than football, I know it sounds crazy and counterproductive, But you'll be amazed how well you play on the field. And that's why, just like you're saying, Nick Foles, he's one of these magical runs because he realizes it's out of my control anyway. Mm -hmm. And I don't need it. I almost walked away.
3: The word everyone says, from Peterson to Haloti to Cox to all these guys, he is exactly the same person he is on the field and off the field. And he's not trying to put on any front. Like, he's vulnerable. He's human. All these quarterbacks are superstars, but Nick Foles to himself is still just a 30-year-old dude who's just mm-hmm. trying to make a living, and I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I think the Eagles players really responded to it, and wherever he goes next, that's going to be cool, but like this period of his life was really inspiring, not only for the team, but for like, people who could be a sure. it. Like, just to watch it is really cool. There's
5: a lot of quarterbacks who would not have done that after the Jeffrey drop. They're throwing their hands up like that, and the whole thing on the sideline, it's not for the cameras, and it's not even for their – they'll probably never play together again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just because it was the right thing to it's do. his friend. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's good.
1: So if you're an Eagles fan, how are you looking at this situation now where we're seeing that Foles might be somewhere next year? He might even be in the same division. Do you want – I mean, that story, its not. you can't not be in love with Foles and just want love. the best for him. So are Eagles fans on on his side? Or do they want him to stay in – what is the day? I'm going to go cliche here. It's well, almost like well, it's better to have loved and lost, lost than to
3: not have him at all. Like, yeah.
1: Don't you think the Eagles fans are like, he shouldn't even have to pay the $2 million to buy, him, buy himself mm-hmm. out? Like, mm-hmm. He might him not have it. to. Let him, you know, Isn't that like, the right thing to do for the hero in Philadelphia? If,
5: if you love someone, set them free. I think they will
4: always love Nick Foles for what he did for them, but they understand what time We it all know that couple that broke up. And they're great friends, and it kind of blows you away that they can hang you out guys can still be friends. Yeah, still be. Fr- oh man,
1: they're still friends. You don't get jealous.
4: They don't get jealous. That's it. That's them.
5: <laughs> you, you, mutual you and the love mutual breakups
1: are killing me. That's you true. Just go, go on somebody's Instagram and read. That's stuff. right. It's
5: my success. We've been through
4: life, okay?
2: Love Freddie Kitchens. Give me more Freddie Kitchens. He will win every single press conference. Well, everyone usually gets along at the breakfast table, but there are some topics that they just can't agree on. That's what two point conversing is for. Here's what Nate and Peter debated this week after a
3: wild week of headlines. All right, time for two point conversing. As you guys know, I spent many years in the press box, Nate spent many years on the field. We agree on a lot, but not on everything. Over the course of the week, we figure out where we have differences and we hash them out <laughs> in this segment. I don't use any cards or research. Nate has a book in his hand so he can read off his notes. Cardi um Burleson, they call Yeah, Bur- <laughs> uh, break Cardi breaks. B? <laughs>
5: I'll
3: start. That's good. Here's Kyle. my statement. You tell me if you agree or disagree. And okay. fans at home, you guys tell us. All right. <laughs> Number one. The
4: Steelers should move on from Antonio Brown. Agree or disagree? No. Why would you move on from one of the best players in the business? He just put up 15 touchdowns. Oftentimes, coaches, organizations, they get in their feelings because players are in their feelings, and their organization goes in the opposite direction. You have Antonio Brown. What do you have left after that, Shrakes? Juju Smith-Schuster and a bunch of good dudes, guys who want to be
3: there. What do you stand for? What do the Steelers stand for? If you're going to keep Le'Veon Bell on ice – this guy Antonio Brown has his meltdown, obviously, at the end of the season, and then goes on Instagram live with James Harrison, who's a bitter ex-stealer. He goes on and says business is booming while the owner, the owner Art Rooney's talking. Look. I don't think the Steelers were in the right necessarily on all this stuff. I okay. mean, this could have been addressed during the season. But why not rip the Band-Aid and build your team around guys like, I don't know, Cam Hayward, David DiCastro, guys who want to be there, who stand for the Steeler way. Yeah, move on. I mean, Juju's a first receiver. You
4: trade him for a first-round pick, yeah. and you move on. Juju's a beast. Don't get me wrong. We said Juju and a bunch of good dudes. How about a great man in Antonio Brown, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer?
3: 31 years old, malcontent.
4: 15 touchdowns. This same organization could get anything done with Le'Veon Bell. Same organization that lets Big Ben. That's not the be the, be, We're not saying that. Be the, the we... most passive-aggressive quarterback. He's the leader of this team. How come, as a quarterback, you can't figure out a way the to coexist? The toothpaste is out of the tube. The toothpaste is out of the tube. They've already okay, made hey, this, and the owner's already. Told, how are you going to make it work? I'm glad you said that because the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. What about Chip Kelly when he got rid of Lashawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson? Later, he was gone. What about Adam Gates when he got rid of Jarvis Landry and Dominican Sue Later on, he was gone. I'm just saying, be careful what you wish for getting rid of your star players because you could be next on the chopping blocks as a coach. Good stuff. All right, stuff. let's get this thing going. All right, next statement. A coach's introductory press conference really matters.
3: So. No. This is How?
4: Like, no, like it was great
3: for, you know, tweets and, and memes, but everyone's saying Adam Gates is a disaster because of his eye placement during a press conference, is overreacting here. I don't remember Doug Peterson's press conference. This is a new day age. I don't Dana's. remember Bill Belichick's press conference. It doesn't matter. If there's 3-0, <laughs> I don't care about these crazy eyes. If there's 3-0... and okay. No one's going to be worried about
4: this. But this is a, what is he doing on the field? Listen, this is a new day and age. you are talking about older press conferences. Yes, now viral videos matter. And the one thing the press conference will do will either give you a head start or it'll dig you a hole. I get it. It, it may not say nothing about his coaching and, and what he's going to bring to the table, but when you go out there and people have this mindset of you, in New York of all places – Like, they eat you alive. If this guy's 0-4, there's not going
3: to be chuckles and what a good dude Freddie is. You got to win games. I don't think the press conference... The owner of the Jets, Christopher Johnson, said it best. He says, I'm not trying to win Twitter. I'm trying to win games. And that's what I think matters. Like... So, you know, the Barstool guys or Will Brinson take a couple shots at you. Like, life will go on. This guy had a great press conference. If they're 0-6, guess what? They're not going to be loving this guy. It matters what happens in the season. The press conference is a formality at this point. Who cares?
4: You are a New Yorker through and through. Well, New Jersey, shout out to Freehold. But you know exactly what they're going to do if this doesn't – if they're going to (laughs) – Hey, if they're come, – come on. <laughs> hey, hey, stop, man. Hey, listen. You know exactly what they're going to do if this – You can't kind of even look fall. at them. No, man. I, he's staring in my soul. Ah! Peter busted coverage. Had some funny stuff on it. I was right. going to say. Busted
3: <laughs> Sports the, pickle. The ringer had a real dig on him. Like, who cares about Twitter? Honestly. <laughs> sports pickle. <laughs> sports pickle. What up, DJ Gallo? <laughs> nailed it. Last segment. All right. And last statement. This one's going to be fun because uh, everyone's all over the place in
4: Chicago. Yeah. Statement is, Cody Parkey should not have gone on a Today Show. Nate, your thoughts? All right. Kick it with me for a second. Now, Cody Parkey, he misses the field goal. It gets tipped, however you want to put it. The city, the team, the organization, they're still healing. What, four days later, you go and you do a media run and you're talking about this good message and what it means to you. I just don't like it. I get the message, and I'm fine with that. But you know how many guys done – dropped balls, made mistakes, threw interceptions, missed field goals, gave up a big touchdown, and they got to bite that bullet, shut up and chill out into the city hills and wait for their team and organization to get over it before you go on a media run? I feel like he could have handled it better.
3: Have we not evolved as humans? What are we, dinosaurs? Like, oh, you can't go on TV. Ah, This kid just had a great message. He's like, football doesn't define me. Like, life's going to be all right. I believe in God. I'm religious. Like, I'm going to go and share my message and maybe change one kid who's been bullied, change his life perspective, maybe change one person who's missed an opportunity. Like, what are we monsters? Like, he going on today's Today Show to spread a good message. We really have to be critical of that.
4: There's nothing wrong with the message. I agree with the message. Any chance you can go out and spread the good word, even if it comes off the kick that he missed. But I will say this, Alshon Jeffrey drops a ball. His team could have went to the Super Bowl. In his head, he lost that game. He's not going and going on the tour. You know how many guys done lost games and they sit back and they relax and wait to heal up? Strags, I will say this. You're the same dude that said that the Philadelphia Eagles were out there doing too many things, writing too many books, and you're going to let this dude go on a media tour after missing a kick? Strange, you contradicting yourself. <laughs>
2: Well, thanks for tuning in to the Good Morning Football podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all our channels and come back tomorrow for some more fun. So from all of us here at GMFB, have a good
0: morning and a great day. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,